I wanted to look at conflict and resolution uh, in depth, specifically in, in biblical depth of people in the Bible that had conflict, had resolution, or maybe um, didn't. And just taking the opportunity to make these characters real. Because sometimes, you know, when you're in the, the scripture, you, you maybe put people up on a pedestal and they're not, they don't feel real to you. They, maybe they, you think they're, they're perfect or they, they, had, they don't have any struggles. Their faith was always at the highest level. I can never, you know, even approach how amazing and holy, and, and that's true. It's not true. It's, it's that they just don't feel like real people that had real problems. And God, you know, places broken, messy people in relationships. And these people are in the Bible too. There are broken, messy people that we read about in, in the scriptures. And one such relationship that I, really, I just wanted to kind of do a deep dive on because I'm fascinated by them is Paul and Barnabas. And we're going to be doing a little bit of a... Sorry, I'm losing my voice. We're going to be doing a little bit of a um, background story here. This is kind of like the foundational work for the rest of the series. So, who are they? Um, Paul wrote two-thirds of your New Testament. Uh, he is... Uh, considered to be one of the, the greatest church fathers that we've had. And then Barnabas does not get enough pub. Uh, I am passionate about getting Barnabas more publicity. Um, he, I think, is one of the major, uh, should have a major role in our minds, but he just didn't write anything down. And uh, so Barnabas is an early church father as well. And in fact, he is responsible for Paul being accepted into the early ministry because Paul was a, a church persecutor. His job as a Pharisee was to hunt down these Christians and stone them, find them, jail them. Get, let's, we got to knock this thing down. This is heresy. This is blasphemy. And his, that was his career. And on one such occasion, on the road to Damascus, he had an encounter with Jesus and was converted, was saved. This, is, this Damascus road experience is what started his life off in the gospel. And he then would go into Damascus and start his ministry there. Now, he will eventually make his way back to Jerusalem where none of the apostles trust him. And rightfully so, because what is one of the best way to find Christians if you're hunting them down is, oh, I'm a Christian, uh, what time's your church service, right? And so they would immediately have said, no, we can't let this guy anywhere near anything. But one such, one such story is, is this. So in Acts 9, verse 26, when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him in and brought him to the apostles, and he told them how Saul, on his journey, had seen the Lord. Saul was his name, pre-Jesus. Had seen the Lord, and that the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Barnabas is putting his capital and saying, Trust me. I've seen what he is capable of. 
And because of Barnabas' endorsement, Paul is brought into the church and into the ministry. This is one of those kind of major decision points that Barnabas has of, uh, of affecting all of church history is he say, hey, trust me. So he begins to mentor. He, he's a companion to Paul in the early missionary journeys. Uh, together, they do some incredible work. They are starting churches. They are going off to far off places, and they are reaching people for Jesus Christ. And uh, the, Barnabas brings uh, John Mark along with him. And somewhere along the way, either, and this is debatable, John Mark got scared or John Mark got homesick. We don't really know. But somewhere along the way, John Mark said, I want to go home. And eventually he makes his way back to Jerusalem. But Paul never, would never forgive him for this. He sees this as a major disloyalty. So so eventually they're going to do another missionary trip. And in Acts 15, sometime later, Paul says to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. And Barnabas says, hey, let's bring John. Let's bring John Mark. But Paul did not think it was wise to take him with him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas and left and commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. This, this was their dividing point. What, why? <laughs> because Barnabas is also known as the encourager. He is always, he's always encouraging the disciples and encouraging Paul. But now he's, he's turning his attention to John Mark and he says, I see something in him. We should bring him with us. And Paul went, well, he failed me once, so I'm done. We're done. Moving on. And this is classic Paul's personality. Uh, Gospel-focused, mission-focused people, I don't care. We've got to get the gospel out. We've got to get the mission out. We're going to do anything we possibly can to make this happen. Uh, and I'm going to run over a few people along the way. And that's, that's his personality was that. And that's why the gospel got as far as it did because of Paul's personality and his drive. But Barnabas was more of the one-on-one guy. And Barnabas saw something in John Mark. said, I need to invest in him. I need to, we need to bring him along. Well, they go back to Cyprus and eventually back to Jerusalem. Uh, John Mark becomes... Uh, he, he hooked up with Peter and becomes Peter's translator, Peter's companion, and will eventually write the book of Mark. In fact, a lot of people think that the book of Mark are, is really Peter's sayings, and John Mark was, you know, the translator for him. Uh, it's, it's not a great translation, uh, but it, is, it, it gets the job done. But because in the book of Mark, there are way more stories about Peter's adventures than there are in the other Gospels. And so it is a remarkable thing for me to think, what if they would have just left John Mark? What if they would have just, what if Barnabas would have gone, yeah, okay, fine, I know he screwed up that one time. But no, he said, no, we got we to gotta go back. We got we to gotta bring him with. That relationship was broken over what John Mark did, and it never fully recovered. There's a major conflict in the Bible over that. 
And Paul screws up here. And that's okay, that's Paul. Go, go, go. Now later, Barnabas will mess up as well. And Paul will call him out on it. This is what Paul does. In the book of Galatians chapter 2, it says, When Cephas came to Antioch, this is Paul's words, to the church in Galatia. Cephas is another name for Peter. I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. That is Paul. That is, that is, you don't even need to read the beginning of this letter to know. Um, this is Paul's like, I'm calling you out on this. What did he do? He stood condemned. This is, like, is he worshiping goats now? You know, or like what, what did he do that was so bad that Paul stands up to his face and condemns him? For before certain men came from James, he used, to, Peter, used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrive, he draws back and he separates himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of the Jewish group. The other Jews joined him in his, this hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. Barnabas is always about people, keeping that. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter, in front of them, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you are forcing Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? Basically, you're acting one way with this group of people, you're acting one way with this group of people. And Barnabas got sucked into that. So Barnabas screws up here, and Paul writes it down for all of eternity, the thing that he messed up on. So there's butting heads. I think I'm going to do two in the series, pretty sure, sermons on who Paul butts heads with, because uh, that's just kind of, that's how he rolls. But he's very much mission-focused, gospel-focused. We've got to get the word out. No matter what it takes, no matter how difficult it is, we are going to go and get as far as we possibly can. He's going to get thrown in prison multiple times. He is going to run, uh, into, uh, run into all types of situations that only Paul would. In fact, most of his letters are written from prison because he had time to write back to the church in Philippi, hey, here's what's going on. What was cool about Paul, and this is obviously the, the will of God and, and you know, the beauty of it, is Paul could never, always got a trial. So every time he was arrested, because he was a Roman citizen, anybody else would have been immediately martyred. But because he was a Roman citizen, Paul always got a trial. So he's always in prison. And that's why he, he, didn't, he could take the gospel as far into Rome as he possibly could. Everybody else would have been like, you're a troublemaker, dead. But Paul got a trial. Eventually, these things kind of come to a head, and there's a beautiful kind of story at the end. As Paul's languishing in prison, <laughs> again, he's nearing death. And as he's nearing death, he changes a little bit. Uh, you ever have a relative that gets like sweeter as they age? It happened to my grandma. Um, my grandma's last five years, she was sweet and gentle and nice. The first 80, um, she was this four foot 11 woman uh, that drove a Lincoln Town car, hit everybody in town, um, and didn't care. And you did not cross Gigi, is what we call her great grandma. You did not cross Gigi. 
Because if you cross Gigi, before your car leaves the driveway, she's calling everybody else in the family about what you did. It was hard. Because <laughs> you knew if you weren't being called, you knew that she was calling everybody else. And this was just a cycle that happened her, her entire life. Drama was what fueled grandma. She lived to be about 90-something years old. Um, those last five, something shifted. And I got to see, I always wondered, Grandpa, how did you marry her? I got to see who he married. Paul's nearing the end, and, in the, and he writes a letter to Timothy to encourage him. 2 Timothy 4, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, this is a longer section, I just want you to hear this. Who will judge the living and the dead in the view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. This is my charge to you, Timothy. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, encourage, and with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head. In all situations, endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Dis- discharge all the duties of your, of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now, there is in store for me this crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to those who have longed for his appearing. Do your best to come to me quickly, Timothy. For Damas, because he loved this world, has deserted me. There's Paul. And has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me now. But get Mark. And bring him with you. For he is helpful to me in my ministry. The one that he said, "Uh uh-uh, we're done. Younger Paul moved on. Nearing the end, he says, get Mark. What happens, I think, far too often is we silo um, uh, text in the Bible. So, like, this is Second Timothy. So you can just hop in and say, "Okay, this moment, this moment in time, this letter, Second Timothy or Galatians, this is a moment in time." But the Book of Acts is this linear story. So Acts 15 is the first missionary journey where they start the churches in Ephesus, Galatia, and uh, Philippi. But then Acts continues, and somewhere along the way, Paul will write this letter back to the church at Rome, back to the church in Philippi. And so you see the story happening. And you don't necessarily think that people change. People change. Paul changes here near the end, somewhere near the end of Acts. It's a really cool thing because I think it makes them real. There's serious conflict between Paul and Barnabas, so much so that they parted ways. They said, I can't handle you. You're always wanting to pick up these John Marks along the way. The mission is too important. The gospel is too important. We can't have people abandoning us when things get tough. Okay, I get that. But Barnabas says, yeah, but I see something in him. Bring them with us. And they said no. So they part ways. And that's okay. Because here's what they didn't do. They didn't burn the bridge. 
salt the wells. They didn't try to, you know, say to each other, like, you know, don't listen to him. He's not a Christian anymore. They, they disagreed, and they moved on. How amazing would that be if we could just disagree with one another but say, blessings to you, though. I just disagree, and that's okay. I disagree on your position on that. Okay, but go reach the world for Jesus. They didn't try to, you know, cancel each other or speak poorly of each other. Now, Paul screws up. Barnabas gets messed up into that, that issue with uh, acting one way and the other. Yet these people are growing and developing and changing and learning more about Jesus. And the closer you get to Jesus, you change, or you should be. How many of you, as an example, were had a really passionate opinion about something five years ago that you are far from now? Just think back, something that you, you, you knew for sure if, and I'll just throw them under the bus, because if the government would just listen to me, now, five years later, you go, I'm glad they didn't listen. Or, if my family would just listen to me, oh, I see where I was wrong. We've lost that ability to see where we were wrong or to admit it or to come back and say, hey, I've changed my mind on this. Paul, near the end, changes his mind on Mark. And that's a godly, biblical way of growing. Even Paul messed up there, I think, not bringing John Mark. But John Mark might have slowed him down. I, I don't know. We don't know that. Barnabas couldn't leave the guy behind. So he takes him back to Peter and gets Peter, who must have, and Peter it was way more patient, was more patient, needed him. And he became his translator and wrote the gospel of Mark, the guy that Paul wanted to just leave behind because he messed up. How can we learn from this in, in, our, in our relationships? Is there, there are times when your relationships, in Christian relationships, get to a point where you look at each other and say, I don't think we're going to agree. But may God bless you as you go. And it's a holy kind of process of, okay, not, if you don't agree with me, you are evil and wrong, and, and one of the, I'm going to tell everybody about it. I'm going to spend time working on tearing you down instead of building the gospel up. That's not a biblical way of doing that. But there are also times where we need to offer grace to each other because as much as Paul was bull in China shop, he needed a Barnabas. He needed somebody to see the humanity in people, not just the mission or the gospel or the moving forward. And Barnabas needed a Paul. Because Barnabas might not, might not have taken it nearly as far as Paul did or languish or die in prison. We don't know much more about Barnabas beyond these few little entries, but without his capital spent at the front end of Jesus's mini or Paul's ministry, of saying, trust me, I've seen it. Trust Paul. Without that, the disciples don't bring him in. That's why I think he needs to get more pub. And when... We are in relationships with one another. We will fail each other. We as Christians should 
offer forgiveness if it's asked. Sometimes there's moments where you just have to look at each other and say, this isn't good. Have you ever had a relationship do that? Maybe you've changed. Maybe they've changed. Maybe you're, they're not good for your walk with God anymore. And you say, hey, I, I think we need to move on here. I think we would be better separate. <laughs> because this constant bickering and fighting and arguing together isn't getting us very far in our relationship with God. And Paul and Barnabas do show us this in their conflict. They didn't try to tear each other down. Barnabas could have gone back to, to uh, Jerusalem and said, he's a maniac. Don't listen to anything he's saying. John, Mark, and I are the only true apostles here. He went back and said, we disagreed. He joins up with Peter, messes up, and we will mess up too. You will mess up in your relationships pretty routinely. And if we as Christians can't be forgiving of one another, then what does that reflect to the world? We need, to, we need to reflect grace because we have been given grace. We also need to reflect, you know what? I disagree with you, but I still love you. I disagree with you. We're not going to come to an agreement on that particular thing, but you're still my brother and sister in Christ, and may God bless you on this, in the ministry. I personally identify more with Paul and my personality. So I need Barnabases around me. Because I will run over people sometimes. I got a little bit of Gigi in me, right? But our differences is what makes the whole of humanity unique. Because if we were all Pauls, we'd be running over everybody. But for all Barnabases, the mission doesn't get very far. So in celebrating our differences, we also have to know, so in those differences, we're going to have some disagreements, and we have to be okay with those disagreements if we want the mission to extend, if we want people to know about Jesus, because we can allow our differences to impact the gospel, and that's not good. So in this, I, what I'm trying to do is, is make Paul and Barnabas real. Go back to that last verse in 2 Timothy. Second Timothy 4, verse 11. Here's an old man at the end. And it's a beautiful kind of touch of humanity. Sometimes Paul, for me, seems distant. So I want you just to picture an old man. He's done the, he's done the job. He's tired. He's hurt. <laughs> Everything hurts. He's been sitting in prison cells for far too long. And he knows. He's got to pour himself into Timothy to keep this going because Timothy is going to be the next young leader that he's going to build into. And he looks at Timothy and he sees someone he can pass the torch to. And he says, uh, oh, sorry, go back one verse, one verse. 2 Timothy 4.10. Uh, sorry, 9. I shouldn't have known this. 9 is do your best to come quickly. This is not a, this is not a quick adventure either. Do your best to come. Please come quickly. Damas... In verse 10, I still love that he put this in there. He abandoned me too. This, I'm going to put this down. Damas left and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescent has gone to Galatia. Titus to Dalmatia. Just put that down. 
Only Luke is here, languishing in prison, and he thinks of Mark. That's a really cool turning point at the end of this, this complicated relationship that they've had. Bring him here, because he is helpful to me in my ministry. I pray that in our disagreements and when we fail each other, we can show this amount of grace to one another, this amount of forgiveness to one another, something we can certainly learn. And I hope, just by like watching, so this is a point in time in the book of Acts. Acts is one of the easiest books in the Bible to read, um, if, if you haven't hopped into it, because it reads like a narrative, and you can watch these people travel in places that they're going. So in this line, uh, along the story, he's nearing the end, and he says, get Mark. I just love that image. And my prayer is that as you hear them and see and read them, these people become real to you because they, they were. They had struggles. They had faults. They had failures. But God used them to reach the world with his gospel. And if we allow that to happen to us, these conflicts that we have get smaller, should be, in light of the greater mission that we have to tell people about Jesus.